Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Hi, this is Mike McNamara. I promise that whatever the topic is today, it will be very much worth your while to stay with us. I also promise to speak English and not use any fancy investment terms in an attempt to impress you. So, what do we talk about on this show? We certainly discuss investment strategies and investments, but there are a whole bunch of other financial decisions that you need to make in your life that will ultimately determine your financial success. Examples are living within your means, managing your debt, having adequate insurance, paying for college, saving for retirement, having basic legal documents, researching social security, Medicare, and pension options, and planning for retirement. We think that everyone listening to this show should have a comprehensive written financial plan to guide you in living your life now and planning for a successful retirement. If you don't know what a comprehensive financial plan is, you definitely need to stay with us for the next two hours. Okay, here comes the legal stuff. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak with on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. This is the part where we have to say that investment returns are not guaranteed and that past performance does not guarantee future results. You probably know that, but we just want to make sure. So, sit back and relax. Give us a call if you like at 781-837-4900. We promise to be polite and speak English. We plan on making the next two hours very much worth your while. It might even be fun. Good morning, Marshfield, and the rest of the South Shore of Boston. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Okay, so we have a plan today, uh, and the plan is to talk about annuities. And uh, I have have a grandiose title for this show. I've called it the world of annuities. It's a little presumptuous, and uh, we have two hours. It will probably take two months to talk about the world of annuities, but we're going to give it a rip here. Uh, my uh, co-host this morning is my business partner and uh, son, Justin. Good morning, Justin. Are you there? I am here. All righty. 
I, th- I think this thing is working. Uh, folks, you may figure this out a little bit later on, but I'm broadcasting from our studios in Fort Myers, and Justin is broadcasting from our studios in Westford. That's a, another way of saying we're doing this remote, but it seems to be working so far, right? So far, so good. Uh, All I right. love the title. I love the uh, world of annuities. It, it, it's it's kind of grandiose, but, you know, what, what the heck? you got to do stuff like that for radio to get people to tune right. in, you know? We live in a clickbait kind of a world, you know? you gotta you got to put a good title out there. All righty. So, uh, so folks, the, the way we do the show now is we break it up into four half-hour segments that are officially now known as podcasts uh, so that if there's a piece of this show that you want to hear again, you could go to our website and dial into that specific half-hour versus a two-hour show and try to find uh, whatever you want. So this is podcast number one. The official title is Fixed Deferred Annuities and Immediate Annuities. Uh, And we're going to squeeze out some basic uh, information about both of those in the next uh, 25 minutes or so. Uh, Very quickly, by the way, Justin, I figure we take turns on these sections. So do you want me to start with this section and you do the second podcast? Do you want to go? How how do you want to do this? Um... Sure, yeah. If you want to start here, that's perfectly fine. I'm happy to uh, chime in and, and uh, you know, wherever I think it's necessary. But yeah, you want right. to go ahead and start. As long as you don't disagree with me, Justin, we're good. Okay. okay. Well, that's uh, make for better radio. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, folks, first of all, a disclosure, okay? You, you ought to kind of know where we're coming from on these annuities, and uh, I'm going to be clear about that. Uh, as financial advisors, we are generally biased uh, against annuities. Generally, we use them sparingly. Uh, They're complicated and confusing. And by the way, that includes us being confused about some of the products that are out there. It's a a very complex area and they make up new confusing parts all the time. Uh, Many types of annuities have high costs that I think defeat their purpose. Uh, They're attractive because of the word guarantee that comes with them. That always sounds good. Uh, and from our point of view, guaranteed investments generally don't outperform inflation. That's at least a two-hour show, so we'll just kind of skip over that and just leave it as a statement. Uh, they're oversold. They get hyped a lot, usually during scary market times when get the word guarantee sounds really, really good. Uh, and and there's uh, also some confusion about what they are. Are they insurance or are they investments or are they a combination of both? Uh, Justin, my son, do you want to add any disclaimers to that before we move along here? You know, I, I, I would just qualify that, or at least personally, I, I don't think we're generally biased against annuities um, as a product. I mean, they, they sort of are what they are, and they work in certain situations. But we, we generally think that annuities are probably oversold, and therefore we're, we're sort of biased against the maybe the industry a little bit as a whole, but not, not necessarily the product. It doesn't mean if you have an annuity, we think it's a bad thing and you ought not have one. Uh, but... Uh, we do run into on a regular basis people who are in annuities that we think probably shouldn't be there, and yeah. so we, you know, and, and when that happens, and you know, as a financial advisor, if you see that often enough, you you tend to get a little jaded about the world. Uh, you know, seeing people and stuff that they that at least you don't think they uh, are, at least you don't think is maybe appropriate for them. Yeah, th- th- so. thank you for that. I'll change the wording on the outline for the next time we do this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. A- anything else on that? Before we go. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Again, I mean, all, all the stuff. Again, just just to be clear, all the stuff that we're going to discuss, and you know, there, 
a annuity is a it's kind of a nebulous word and when people say i don't like annuities or a funny and, and we're probably the most guilty of all of that right financial advisors who who don't uh, sell annuities are probably you know they would maybe categorize themselves as anti-annuity and because annuity is such a nebulous word and it means so many things it, it you know we really have to be specific about what we're talking about and so that's part of the show is going to be to try to get into you know what are the different kinds of annuities because saying you know if someone tells me if a client says oh I have an annuity that doesn't really tell us anything right other than it's you know it's an investment product that is purchased through an insurance company we know that much but from there, it could go lots of different directions. I mean, it could look almost like an IRA. It could look like a, you know, like a CD. It could be something very, very complicated that you know, likely the client doesn't even understand. So there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot to unpack with the word annuity, and so that's part of what we're going to do here in the show is try to figure out, you know, you know, if you have an annuity, what kind do you have? Is it appropriate for you? And just go through some definitions and and you know, pros and cons, right? We will. I, I think we're part of this is going to certainly be to go through what we think are good about the different types of annuities and who they're appropriate for, uh, even if we certainly don't think they're appropriate for everyone. Yeah, okay, point taken. And so, by the way, folks, we promised uh, in each section or each podcast, I'm sorry, we'll start off with a definition. Okay, so so this particular half an hour, we're going to talk about fixed deferred annuities and then skip over to immediate annuities. I thought that would make sense, Justin, to squeeze them into the same space for a variety of reasons. They are anyway, the simplest ones, yeah. Yeah, so, so by the way, folks, if you've listened to the show before, I do the big picture from 50,000 feet discussion in general terms, and Justin will probably get into a little bit more detail or break it out a little bit more in a refined manner. So you probably get a, a, a good balance in terms of where we're going here. So here, here's Mike McNamara's definition uh, of an annuity, and, and banks would probably disagree with this, but uh, a, a t- fixed deferred annuity okay, looks like a tax-deferred certificate of deposit. You know, you buy certificates of deposit in the bank. Everybody pretty much knows what those are. You lend your money for, them for a period of time. They give you an interest rate, and then the deal is over. So it, it looks like a certificate of deposit, except it's tax-deferred. It is guaranteed by the insurance company. Uh, and basically, you fixed, okay, uh, and it's about as simple as that for for starters, okay? The, the other thing you need to know about pretty much all annuities uh, is that um, I, I think a long time ago, because insurance companies have big lobbies, here comes one of my biases, okay, uh, insurance, okay, Who doesn't annuity, these days, though, Dad? <laughs> yeah, who doesn't, right? <laughs> uh, annuities, um, you know, you cannot officially take your money out of an annuity uh, until your age 59 and a half. So, so they were kind of designed, okay, as like auxiliary or retirement plans for folks, okay? But so the first thing you got to know is if you're 27 years old, you probably don't want to take a look at an annuity because the plan is you need to leave you there, leave your money there till at least 59 and a half where there are penalties from the federal government. So we'll get into the penalties. But folks, the, these are basically retirement plans, the tax deferred. You got to leave your money alone uh, there for quite a while, depending on your age and circumstances, uh, and and that's okay. So anyway, so they're tax deferred. 
folks. And whatever you earn in a CD, if you earn interest in a CD, you pay taxes on it as you go along. The kind of cool thing about a fixed annuity is if you got a 3% fixed annuity from whatever life insurance company, they'll say, hey, we'll give you 3% for the next five years. Uh, and all of it is deferred until the end. Okay, so there's two ways to look at a fixed annuity. There's, first of all, from the insurance company's point of view, they're going to give you a rate, that's the fixed rate, for a time period. You know, here's 3% for five years, okay? Uh, And then when that time period is over, they'll give you another rate, okay, or a couple of options, just like a CD rolling over at the bank, okay? Um, If you're going to look at a, a fixed deferred annuity, you might want to take a peek at the insurance company that's issuing it because it is guaranteed, but it's guaranteed by the insurance company that's issuing it. And like anything else, uh, higher quality insurance companies are probably safer. And for some strange reason, the rates that they offer are lower. Uh, I'm sorry, lower. And then if you're not quite as high a rated insurance company, you have to kind of do a little bit higher on the interest rate. Justin, I'll stop there for any modifications or additions. No, I think one of the themes that we're going to go through in all of the, you know, in all the different types of annuities is the, you know, it's an illiquidity issue, right? You mentioned in the, we're talking about one of the simplest types of annuities and you do get the tax deferral, but what happens after you get the tax deferred um, income is that you owe taxes on it. And that's not a great thing if you're under 59 and a half because you get an extra 10% penalty. And that's, you know, so that, that money is sort of stuck. If you decide you want an annuity at 45 and you want a five-year annuity, well, at the end of that annuity, you know, you may have made your 3%, but you, you pay that 10% penalty. And there's going to be a lot of that discussion throughout this show and, and our, I guess, well, I guess it's our now multiple shows. Uh, but that's going to be a recurring theme is the money, is sort of sticky money. And that's part of the reason why I think annuities have, you know, have, uh, we have issues with annuities because it does, it tends to lock up your money in a variety of ways. This is sort of the simplest and, and, and most transparent of them. And we're going to get into probably <laughs> worse ones as we go here. Yeah, you're, you're kind of locked up into the insurance company. The only place you can move it uh, is to another insurance company unless you realize some kind of penalty. So, so, so they are illiquid and therefore <clears throat> older folks, if you will. Okay, um, j- just as some examples, and it's tough to do a lot of math on the radio. Oh, by the way, a couple things. So, there there are no costs to fixed annuities. Uh, they're just like a bank CD. Um, you know, here's five percent or here's three percent for the next five years. Well, there's no cost. Well. You know, the insurance company's probably earning four, and they're giving you three. But there are no costs to fixed annuities, okay? And there are penalties, and there are two sets of penalties. There's a penalty from the insurance company, okay? If you go go into an annuity, there's a period of time which you must leave your money there, or it's penalized. And so if you start off with a, a five-year annuity with XYZ Insurance Company and you decide you have to take the money out for an emergency three years downstream, uh, you're going to pay what's called a contingent deferred sales charge. You're going to get a haircut on the way out. So if you go into an annuity from the insurance company's point of view, A, you have to be there for a certain period of time not to have a penalty to leave, okay? Uh, and that's just how it is. From the IRS, you can take your money out of an annuity anytime, but if you happen to be 
older than 59 and a half, you just pay taxes on it. If you have to be younger than 59 and a half, you're going to pay taxes plus a 10% penalty. Okay, and the, the last big thing about uh, fixed annuities is that when you take your money out, okay, the government counts your uh, interest as as the first part that's coming out. So if you take money out of an annuity, you're going to be taxed on your interest at income tax rates until you get down to the principal. So if you put, you know, uh, $10,000 into a CD at 3% and, you know, five years later, it's 10000 you know, I mean, $11,000. I'm making up a number. Okay, if you took $1,000 out, you'd pay taxes on all of it. That's your interest. If you took out the whole 11000 you wouldn't because that was return of your capital. So they are kind of taxed, okay, but they're taxed at income rates. And we'll come back to that uh, a little bit later on. So, so very quick. Quickly, okay. Uh, I just did a couple of examples. I I went to. Well, let's, in, let me just. Can I just okay, jump in ahead. there quickly? Yep. Um, I mean, this is not all that different from the CD world, right? I mean, there's the the CDSC, the contingent deferred sales charge, the charge to get out of an annuity that you know, in this case, a fixed annuity that you've purchased, is not all that different from a bank penalty, right? If you go to the bank and you pay, uh, you know, and you get yourself a five-year CD, there is likely at least some penalty for breaking the CD uh, because, you know, you you have sort of guaranteed that you're going to leave your money there for five years and, you know, the bank makes plans based on that. Uh, and then, so that if you're going to take your money out before the five years ends, then there may be a little bit of a haircut. Same thing with the, uh, with the insurance company. Uh, they also make long-term plans and they're basing that on your, you know, you're having your money there for those next five years. So that's not, um, it's not, I mean, CDSCs aren't good, but... Yeah, it's just how it is. It's just the way that it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give a quick example, finish up and move on to immediate annuities because time flies when you're having fun here. So <laughs> I went to... Uh, and folks, you can do this at home. Uh, I went to immediateannuities.com and I scoped out uh, annuities across the country. And so, by the way, as we speak, you can purchase a three-year fixed deferred annuity at 3.1% per year from Guggenheim Life, I'm not making this up, which is a B++ related insurance companies, okay? Okay, if you want to look at a 10-year fixed rate, you're talking about a 4.3% return, and that particular annuity is from Atlantic Coast Life, which is also a B++ rated okay insurance company and so a, a three-year uh fixed annuity 3.1 by the way a three-year bank cd uh 2.85 courtesy of capital one so that you know tax deferred cds for for folks uh illiquid okay the quality of the insurance company should be a factor and i think their best use is safe money deferred for a long time and your and your tax bracket drops remember when you pay taxes on these things on your earnings it's at your income tax level so at the very least if you purchase it in whatever tax bracket you are, if your tax bracket stays the same or goes down, well, then that works, uh, which is what it happens for most people. Any other comments before I move along here, my son? Just, I mean, just quickly, when we see folks who are who are considering annuities, oftentimes we will at least ask them to consider a, a bank CD as well. I mean, in the in the numbers that you showed here, which are pretty much real time numbers, I think you grabbed yeah. these yesterday, the day before. Yep, um, those are pretty close, right? Clearly, three point one is higher than two point eight five. But 
the you know the annuity world enters you into the world of you, yes you get the tax deferral so if you put a hundred thousand dollars in the annuity that three thousand dollars per year you don't pay taxes on it until the end whereas in a CD the twenty eight fifty per year you would be taxed annually uh, but at the end of the the annuity then you're faced with a with the question of what what do you do with it, right? Either you take it out and then you pay taxes on the whole $15,000 plus a 10% penalty uh, or you do another annuity. And, and so oftentimes, because these rates tend to be fairly close, especially for those who are 65, you know, 59 and a half and under, or maybe in this situation, 55 and under, uh, we would at least uh, encourage them to look at a CD as a possible alternative. You might not make quite as much money, but you have a little more flexibility. Yeah, and tax deferral, you know, if you're 30 years old, tax deferral sounds pretty attractive. If you're 62 and buy one right. of these, you know, right. tax deferral's not, not particularly useful or as useful to a 60-year-old. Might have something to do with life That's expectancy. Right. Also, okay. Yeah, and also because, yeah, the, and in the guaranteed world the you know the income that you're making isn't tremendous right unless you have putting it unless it's a million dollar cd the the yearly income is not all that significant all righty folks immediate annuities we got seven minutes to do a quick summary so basically uh <laughs> do we have a hard cap on this tim <laughs> we, we we do because we gotta you know Alyssa is making me break this show up into four pieces so we have to keep this quick so anyway immediate annuities folks here's the definition you have some money you give it to an insurance company and they give you back income under some period of time and some kind of arrangement. So with an immediate annuity, you take a lump sum of money, you give it to an insurance company and they promise to pay it back to you over several different time periods and deals, which are called annuitizations, okay? And I'm just going to go right to the math to, 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 to explain this, okay? So if you have a... I, I went to immediate annuities, strangely enough.com yesterday, okay? A 65-year-old Massachusetts couple with $100,000, okay? Uh, they, they can trade that $100,000... Okay, here it is, insurance company, and the insurance company promises it will give them $483 per month for the rest of their lives. Okay, Uh, that's called a lifetime annuitization option. So what's the good news? That married couple, okay, regardless of who dies first, for the entire life of the longest living person in that couple, they're going to get $483 a month guaranteed, okay? Uh, If uh, that couple lives 120 years, it was a heck of a deal. If they die three days after they do that, there could be some problems sort of a thing. But an immediate annuity is trading a lump sum of your money for some kind of an income stream with some kind of a deal. And I want to be really clear, this is an insurance strategy. It's not an investment strategy. You get guarantees. But by the way, as Justin said earlier, if you look at it as an investment, uh, it's not a very good one. Justin, I'll stop there for you. Go ahead. Yeah, so in I think, I don't know if you would agree with this, but you know, to us, this is maybe the the annuity that we generally have the least problem with. I mean, this is really uh, an income planning tool. Generally, whenever you see it, it's someone who has decided that instead of managing, you know, a lump sum of money, they may have inherited some money or they may have saved some money for you know over the years in in a four hundred one k or an IRA, and they've said, you know, I want to take this and I want X thousands of dollars per year in income. You know, I I, I prefer the 
income, sort of the pension model, to managing a portfolio with distributions. And so generally speaking, we don't we don't have a, a big problem with this because most of the people do it, go into it with eyes wide open, and, and it's very understandable. All right. I, I'd also point out there are tax advantages to doing uh, you know, to to the to this when you're especially when you're coming off of uh, another type of annuity, variable annuity, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute, or a, you know a long term fixed annuity. If you have a if you have a large capital gain, a large gain, it's not a capital gain. If you have a large gain in an annuity where maybe you invested fifty thousand and now twenty years later it's worth a hundred thousand, instead of taking that money out and and grabbing the fifty thousand dollar gain all in one year, which would be taxed as income, what you can do is you can uh, you know do an immediate annuity, hand that hundred thousand dollars to the insurance company, and then take your payout from there, and that does spread out the tax the tax burden. So every check that you get would be half income and uh, and half return of capital. and so you you kind of spread your fifty thousand dollars gain out over the life of the annuity as opposed to taking it all in one year. Yep, and, and I agree with that. I, I think immediate annuities are probably the most practical for some folks. Yep. Um, so, so a couple things. So, so you can't look at this as an investment, okay? Um, let me give you an, an, another, well, okay, uh, let me give you another example. Uh, a 10-year, you can say to the insurance company, the 65-year-old Massachusetts couple, here's $100,000. What do you give me guaranteed for the next 10 years? $950 absolutely possible. Years and at the end of the years, fifteen years. Hey, Papa! It's time for a break, and you have to stop talking. I hope that your legal documents are up to date and that I'm a beneficiary. Hi, this is Mike McNamara. We think that your financial advisor should be a certified financial planner practitioner. This is the gold standard for financial advisors. We also think your advisor should be a fiduciary and always act in your best interest. That would describe the four of us at McNamara Financial Services. We're a family business. When it comes to your money and financial affairs, we think that our family can help your family. 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. The South Shore's breaking news, weather and traffic station, WATD-FM Marshfield, WATD-Brockton. Are you ready to get organized? Let's consolidate those old accounts and make sure your investment strategies are appropriate. This is Kirk Reed, a certified financial planner with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Find out more at McNamaraFinancial.com. This is Mike McNamara. This show is for folks who want to get more educated about their financial affairs. We figure that's just about everyone listening. If you have a financial advisor, hopefully our discussions will make you feel that you're being well cared for. If you don't have a financial advisor, hopefully our discussions will be helpful to you in finding a good one. By the way, we think everyone should have an independent financial advisor who is a certified financial planner practitioner and who at all times acts as a fiduciary on behalf of their clients. That means always acting in the client's best interest. Always. That is our humble and biased opinion. 
McNamara Financial Services is an independent financial planning and money management firm with offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, Massachusetts. We are a family business. My son, Justin, daughter, Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and son-in-law, Kirk Reed, are my business partners. Justin, Alyssa, Kirk, and I are all certified financial planner practitioners. Alyssa, Kirk, and Justin will host just about half of the McNamara on Money radio shows over the course of this year. The senior partner, that would be me, will host the other half of those shows. I have been doing this radio show since 1990 and figure I deserve a Saturday off every once in a while. McNamara Financial Services is a registered investment advisor. That means that we are required by law to act as fiduciaries for our clients at all times. Even if it wasn't a law, we think it's a good way to run a business. So sit back and relax. Give us a call if you like at 781-837-4900. We promise to be polite and answer your questions in English. It might even be fun. We're back. And uh, my name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. And uh, we're talking about the world of annuities today. My son, Justin, and business partners keeping me company. Justin, are you there? I'm here. All right. We got kind of cut off with some technical difficulties, uh, you know, talking about immediate annuities. So I'm going to do a, a lightning summary. <laughs> An immediate annuity, folks, is where you trade a lump sum of your money for some kind of an income stream with an insurance company. It could be for your life. It could be over some period of time, okay? It's guaranteed. It runs for the extent of the arrangement, and then it's done. Uh, and from our point of view, if, if they're, they're appropriate for a bunch of people, okay, but you have to understand that it's insurance, not an investment, and you don't get paid very well if you look at it as an investment. If you bought a lifetime annuity, you can, it, money comes as long as you live. If you live beyond your life expectancy, you had a good deal. If you die before your life expectancy, you didn't. You don't know that. That's why it's insurance. Okay, Justin, we're going to talk about in this podcast, this is podcast number two, folks, Okay, variable annuities. And Justin, you have the ball. I'll be the uh, straight man here. Go ahead. Well, all right. I get to do the... I get you get to do the color. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, so a variable annuity is uh, it's it's an annuity product, so it, it's it's with an insurance company, but the invest the underlying investments are not fixed the same way they are in a fixed annuity, right? The, you know, the, the fixed annuities which we just discussed were are more like a bank CD where you're getting a guaranteed interest rate. The variable piece of this is that you are choosing underlying investments and your investments will grow or shrink based on the performance of those investments. So in a lot of ways, I guess they, they sort of look like an IRA, right? You put money into an IRA and you can buy whatever you want in there. They, you know, they, they, you could, you could buy them, you could put it in a money market fund. You could put it in, you know, the most ag aggressive technology stock that you could find. You can put it in a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds. You can choose anything in there and your your investment will grow based on uh, you know based on the market conditions that will you know that sort of govern the returns of the of your investment right and it's the same thing with a variable annuity except the wrapper is an insurance product and not uh, not an IRA okay a tax deferred box of investment sponsored by an insurance company that's correct the, the and the taxability 
is the same as with the deferred with the deferred annuity, right? In, in the example that you gave last in, in our last section, you had a three you know a three point one percent you know guaranteed return, and then it, if you took the money out after the five year period, you would pay you know you'd pay income taxes plus a ten percent penalty on those earnings, and it's the same thing inside of a variable annuity except that the return is variable right i mean if you if you put ten thousand dollars into uh into a variable annuity for 10 years and it grows to 20 at the at the end of those 20 at the end of those uh, those years that ten thousand dollars if you take it back will be taxable as income all right same rules apply if you're under 59 and a half if you're under 59 and a half you will pay income taxes at whatever your tax rate is plus a 10% penalty to the IRS because you need to be 59 and a half or older to take that money back. Okay? Questions, comments? No? Uh, all right. So I, I'm going to go into the, uh, you know, you, you were kind enough to research some costs for us. Oh, I should also mention that most variable annuities, I think we're, we're going to have to make some generalizations here about the uh, about the products because you know annuities are a very big world and obviously when we're looking at stuff we're looking at you know averages and when we throw out numbers here they won't be as for a specific product because there are hundreds and hundreds of annuities you know we're not going to just sort of pick on one we'll we'll kind of go with what the industry as a whole looks like um, and just just so you know not every annuity is created the same not all of them have the same cost structure some are high some are low you know some have penalties to leave early some don't okay um, so m- most in- I would say, I think probably it's safe to say that most annuities have the CDSC, remember the contingent deferred sales charge, where you lock your money up for X number of years, and if you take it out and leave the annuity before that, then you're going to have to pay on the way out. Now, in those cases, in, in the case of a variable annuity, that's generally because there was compensation paid to an agent or a broker. Or, or whoever sold you the annuity, right? The, the annuities, variable annuities, most of them are sold by agents or brokers. And once that process is completed, there's a commission paid, right? So, so if that if you're a, a you're an insurance broker and you puts uh, you know have someone get a hundred thousand dollars to fund an annuity, you may earn five thousand dollars upfront for that investment. Okay, if that person then turns around a year later and moves from one annuity to the other, that insurance company is out that $5,000 that didn't have a chance to make up that money. And so what you, what you have is a, a CDSC, a contingent deferred sales charge to recoup some of that money on the way out if that's what happens. So again, you have another situation where, you know, when you, if you're, if you're sort of breaking the contract or leaving early, there is a penalty, there's a penalty on the way out. Uh, which we, generally speaking, don't like. Is that safe to say? <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Um, the, and so, uh, some other differences with, uh, you know, using the IRA example, we have, there's a different cost structure on the annuity, for an annuity product. Um, because it's an annuity and it's an insurance company, there's kind of an extra level of cost that's called uh, a mortality and expense charge. Uh, and they they also have various administrative fees. You know, you you looked up some averages, and the average mortality and expense charge uh, for for an annuity 
is uh, 1.25%. There's also administrative charges of 0.28%. Again, these are averages w- which we've looked up at various places. Uh, you know, your sources are the SEC, Morningstar. Um, on top of that, you have management fees for the mutual funds. So the way the way the system works generally is you have an annuity company and they set up the annuity platform. They set up the structure and then they go out and either hire their own money manager or some or other money managers and they manage the underlying investment fund. So you're sort of layering on fees, right? You have mortality and expense fees, which I'll go into a, a bit more um, in a minute, and then you have some administrative fees. And then on top of that, you also have management fees that are paid to the uh, to the underlying money manager, right? Because you're this is the annuity is just a is just a platform, and the variable part of this are essentially mutual funds. They're called sub accounts and annuities, but they're essentially mutual funds. And whoever is managing those mutual funds is also getting paid. So, okay. so if we if we stop there, yeah. so the the mortality and expense charge that's basically an insurance. By the way, remember if that broker got paid five thousand dollars, that insurance company has to get that money back over some period of time, and you're paying for that one way or another. So, right. if you just stop there, so you have a mortality and expense charge. This is on average, folks. Okay, an administrative charge, charge, and then a, a, a blended, uh, you know, fund fee charge. We're up to 2.35%. Okay, so one of the problems that we have with variable annuities is that they're very expensive products. Uh, The costs have come down. We'll get to that in a little while. But, but, you know, if you have to pay 2.35% per year out of your return before you get any money, okay, that's a that's a a big price to pay, and we're not done. The, the insurance companies add some bells and whistles that we'll get to in a few moments here that actually can increase the cost. So, you know, f- folks, we have uh, at McNamara Financial, we make some guesses about what different kinds of portfolios can earn. And our sixty percent stock, forty percent bond portfolio, we're hoping, and we think it's reasonable. It's not guaranteed for somewhere between five and seven percent a year for a return. We we think that's fair. Well, so if you use six, okay, you get 6% a year. Well, if you're going to earn six and take away 2.35%, that's a pretty poor return. So our our biggest bias about most variable annuities is that there are some significant costs that can provide huge drags on your return, and that's before we get to some other add-ons. Okay, I feel better now, Jess. <laughs> and, and again, just to be clear, so we're using average numbers. I guess we probably should stay on the cost uh, issue for, you know, at least for a while, while, while we're on the subject here. Yeah, so, okay. So costs of variable annuities, and I guess annuities in general have come down, and part of the reason is probably is is certainly because of people like you in sort of the financial media who have spent a lot of years talking about how expensive they are and and, and kind of bad mouthing them up appropriately in our minds. Um, they you know that the prices have sort of to start to creep down and you get less and less uh, annu- you know less and less expensive annuities every year. You now can get very stripped down variable annuities for what we think are are pretty reasonable costs. I mean we we. Full disclosure: We do have clients in variable annuities. Most of them are uh, most of them are, are older products that were that they acquired when tax rates were a bunch higher. 
um, I guess that's that's probably an accurate statement. I think, uh, yep. and and a lot of them were acquired uh, as as sort of transfers from other higher cost annuities. You know, from sort of from other advisors or, or insurance agents who sold uh, stuff to you know to people who ended up being our clients. So we have uh, variable annuities. We do manage variable annuities, and so we're not saying that they you know you need to get out of it if you have one. Um, but you just need to be very very careful with the cost structure because. On average, sort of the average annuity is fairly expensive, and and I think we would sort of describe the average annuity as too expensive. Uh, when we're buying stuff, you know, when we're doing annuities, it's generally you know from the cheapest provider that we can find, and it's very stripped down without any bells and whistles, um, which we'll get into in the next couple of uh, the next couple of sections of the show. Uh, okay, um, anything else on cost before we move on? Oh, I think we lost him again. Boy, this okay. is tough. Uh, anyway, so I will. Uh, I'll go solo here. We probably should talk about the tax deferral uh, again. This is one of the issues that we see with variable annuities: is that we have people who are in a variable annuity, and, and one of the benefits for var- of variable annuities is the tax deferral. Just like in fixed annuities, as we've discussed you do get tax deferral. So you're not paying income taxes as you go. You pay it at the end when you surrender the contract and or when you take a distribution from the contract. And we fairly often will see variable annuities sold inside of an IRA, uh, which, which in an IRA, as, as most of you probably know, is already a tax deferred vehicle. And so one of the reasons why we have people in variable annuities is for that tax deferral uh, and in putting it inside an IRA probably you know does in our minds remove one of the reasons to own a variable annuity so the most the most common structure for us the most common reason why we have someone inside of a variable annuity is if they have maxed out their 401k uh, they have you know maxed in, in all their other retirement plan options whether that's IRAs Roth IRAs and they're saving enough for college and they don't have any other longer term goals that they uh, that they need to fund other than retirement and they have probably some money in a taxable investment account already and if they want to save even more then we start then we start to sort of consider maybe a variable annuity is a good place for them because they have all the boxes checked as far as retirement saving and maybe they're in their you know their their 30s or 40s or 50s, which are their high earning years, and they want to save even more. And we look at it and say, okay, that's that's probably not a bad use for a uh, a deferred variable annuity because they can put that money in. It's going to be used for retirement anyway, so why not defer those taxes uh, until retirement? And that's perfectly appropriate. Josh, can you hear Daddy me? Now? back? I can you hear me? All oh, right. That, that Florida internet's not all that great, is it? I don't know what's going on here. Okay, so, <laughs> folks, uh, our vision is if, if uh, a variable annuity is by mutual fund, we want it as low as Dad, you just cut. You're, I, think you're, I think you're cutting out. Oh. You're, uh, you're very garbled. Tim, I, I think that's correct. If you just chime in and say, uh, you know. Yes, garbled is the technical term. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, if we get him back, we can, uh, we can, you know, we'll, we'll, once we get him back in a better area, we'll, uh, we'll keep going. But anyway, so I will, I will go ahead here. Um, so we, t- you know, we touched on probably not all that appropriate for a retirement plan. Again, unless we 
we'll we'll catch up in the next couple of sections about the bells and whistles. There are some, you know, full disclosure. I, there are some situations where you may want to put an annuity in a retirement plan because there's something that you want out of the annuity uh, that you just can't get in the sort of the traditional IRA world in a brokerage account or with an account direct at a bank or. Uh, or, uh, or a mutual fund company. So so it's not always the worst thing in the world to have an annuity IRA, but generally speaking, we, we think they're, uh, we see them in there too often. Uh, and again, more than like more than likely, we think that's probably because there's a commission uh, being paid and they were, and you know, someone sold it to a client as opposed to the client purchasing it because they thought that was the best thing for them. Okay. Uh, let's go to kind of the returns again. We, so we talked about the cost, which can be fairly high. And if you're, in a, you know, we're we're in a world now where interest rates are relatively low. Yes, they're sort of they're up off their uh, off their historic lows that we saw in the past couple of years. But if you're if you're looking at conservative investments now, you know, bonds, uh, you know, high quality bonds are, really don't pay a whole heck of a lot of money. You know, you might get two and a half or three percent in a bond fund. And so when you look at the cost structure of, of an annuity, if we're using sort of the average annuity, which we decided was about 2.35%, or you know, maybe that's, of course, and that's not an exact number, so maybe it's 2% or maybe it's 25 whatever it ends up being. If you're in a 2, uh, if you're in a two, point, 2 to 3% return environment for conservative investments, and you're in a, a portfolio or an account that has a 2.35% cost structure, you're really not going much of anywhere. You know, then you're then you're very very close to zero on uh, on your return projections. And then when you factor out inflation, you know, you're you're sort of a, you're probably in the hole uh, under that sort of average cost structure. Uh, again, not all annuities are created the same, so you you know you may be paying one and a half percent or one percent in your annuity, in which case it's maybe a little bit more appropriate. But you know the point stands: conservative investments are generally not all that appropriate for annuities, in our opinion, because of the higher cost structure. So when we're dealing with variable annuities with our clients, it's usually more aggressive money. A because you you know you probably need to take you know you probably need a, a little bit more stock market exposure to give you a little bit higher return potential to offset some of those fees, and also because at least in our practice when we are using variable annuities, you're usually talking about very very long term money, right? This is the the extra money that people are saving because they maxed out their four hundred one k. They went and uh, you know and and maybe their Roth IRA and they've you know they're even you know they're saving for college and they're doing they're checking all the other boxes but they still have more money to invest and so they're going to put the money in a variable annuity and so they probably can afford to be a little bit more aggressive with this money because it may be the last money they touch uh, you know before they die or more likely it may it may be passed on to their kids so we we're generally in the camp of more aggressive is. Uh, is better if you're doing a variable annuity, partially be, to offset the costs, and partially uh, to um, partially because we think that's it's just generally more appropriate for the people that we have invested in there, and it's okay for them to take a little bit more uh, risk. Okay, the old man, Dad, I hear you breathing. Are you there? Testing one, two, three. Uh, Am I there? You're there. <laughs> Well, this is kind of weird, Justin. We're going to have to talk to somebody about this. But anyway, uh, your, inter yeah, you, you, your internet provider, maybe I don't know. Yeah, you're doing fine. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny, okay, uh, when you think about it. That that folks who can take money out of annuities are older 
than fifty nine and a half. Okay, for starters, yep. And they and they would be more conservative than if they were twenty nine and a half. And yet, okay, it doesn't make much sense to own many, if a whole lot of bonds inside of an annuity with where the costs are. So it's kind of, right. it's really kind of a conundrum uh, or, or uh, ironic maybe is the best way to say that. That's just kind of how it is, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, and that's, I get, again, I just went, you know, I just went on a long soliloquy about this. I think that's probably yeah. why for us, annuities are always kind of extra money investments, at least variable annuities. Um, that's why we've always done that because, you know, it, they, they make sense as higher risk investments because, you know, for a variety of reasons to us uh, and not necessarily lower risk investments. Uh, anyway. Yeah, which, which uh, kind of runs contrary to why folks, mostly folks, buy them given the circumstances, you know? Right, right. And, and yeah, and I'll, yeah, well, we're talking about kind of a plain vanilla variable annuity. Once we get into, we will also get into the next section here, we'll get into some, uh, some of the bells and whistles. But I guess we probably can, uh, do you want to talk about some of the bells and whistles now that you can put on to variable annuities? Because variable annuity is, is, kind of a, is kind of a structure on which they build a few other types of things. And I guess we could talk about some of that uh, now. So th- I guess the most common benefit that, uh, or, or I guess we'll call it add-on that you see in a variable annuity, and, and in, it's standard in some contracts, and it's an option in another one, is a death benefit. All right? So, so I think, pr- I don't know, I don't mean to like call you the old man, but I think probably when you started, <laughs> all, I think I believe all annuities had a death benefit that was associated with the product. Actually, right. actually, no, that got tagged on, but it was still a long oh, okay. time ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, when I broke into the business, it, you know, all the annuities that we had in place, they all had death benefits associated with them. And they were, you know, there, there are various types of death benefits that are associated with annuities. You know, one type, is, I guess the simplest type is you'll never have, you know, your death benefit will always be at least what you put into the uh put into the contract, right? So let's say you, you know, you had an extra $100,000 one year, you decide that you want to put it into a variable annuity, that variable annuity has a death benefit on it, and so that protects you if you died when the account was worth, say, $70,000, right? If you, if you funded it in 2006, and then you passed away in uh, early 2009, you might, you know, in that case, you would have less money uh, in the in the contract when you died than when you started, and then by virtue of dying, your account is is sort of made whole back up to the hundred thousand dollars that you that you put into the annuity. Okay, there are you know there are other death benefit options where you know the 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 death benefit is sort of your your highest value in the last seven years, and I'm sure there's you know there's lots of other ones that I'm not familiar with, but but the the point is is that you can put a death benefit on a variable annuity. Um, Short story, you know, the short story is I, we don't usually think it's a great idea. Uh, you know, protecting yourself against dying in a bad market is probably not the best investment, at least in our minds, unless you are, I guess, sort of on the older side or maybe unless you're in, in relatively poor health. Because um, the market, generally speaking, is going up and not down. And what you usually see is, you know, you see sort of longer periods of the market going up relatively short periods of, of it going down and, I don't know, spending an extra half percent per year or a quarter of a percent per year in order to protect yourself against dying during one of those, you know, one of those periods is, in our minds, not a great, uh, not a great use of your money. Would you agree with that one? Yeah, I would. And I'd even step back and take a look at a bigger picture, okay? 
Variable annuities are sponsored by insurance companies. That's how they make their money. So when we use the phrase bells and whistles, there are different insurances that you can buy inside these variable annuities and that's where the insurance companies make their money you know for, for, to to pay four tenths of a percent per year for a death benefit that takes that average cost up to 2.75 percent per year okay you know in, why buy if insurance company is providing you insurance against you dying in a bear market you got to figure out that's a pretty low probability given the circumstances but that that guarantee is just so attractive to everybody that you know that, that that's why there are lots and lots of variations on the insu- the bells and whistles we we investment types call them but there are lots yep. of variations on the insurance coverages okay they're very expensive Expensive, and by and large, okay, n- not worth it from our point of view. I mean, if you know, it, it's just that's just kind of the way it is, folks. You just kind of have to remember what Justin per your comments about a long time ago. For for years, okay, I looked at variable annuities and said. There's just way too much cost. Why, why would you do that other than the tax deferral? And if you can do that inside of an IRA, well, maybe. Uh, uh, another big picture thing uh, about uh, variable annuities, okay, uh, is like I can clearly remember I broke into this business in 1980 and tax brackets were very high. And by the way, even though there were costs associated that were pretty high, when you looked at what tax brackets were, they sort of made some sense. And so I sold, pardon that term, it doesn't sound professional these days, but I sold a bunch of annuities to a bunch of folks who had high tax brackets who were, for whom I thought was appropriate, uh, and and they still own them. Hey, in the after that though it, you know tax brackets dropped about 15 or 20 years ago yeah. and i took a look around and said geesh you know all of a sudden the built-in costs in these variable annuities with lower tax brackets now okay a case could be easily made for putting the money in a taxable account you know, and, and try to tax manage it more effectively than having it deferred and not having all those costs. So when tax brackets generally came down, okay, I think it made it a less favorable environment for for annuities, okay, right. for, for that very reason. Well, you know, now there's probably going to, well, so as a result of that, and they're still low, but they may be going higher. Yep. Okay. As a result of that, insurance companies had to get competitive and they had to drop these prices in these things somewhat to stay competitive. But, you know, for, for, for a very long time, and I think it's still the case, you know, if you had $100,000, you know, you could put it in an annuity, okay, but with tax brackets being where they are, you might be better off opening up a taxable account, a joint taxable account, and trying to manage it a little effectively from a tax point of view because of where taxes are, uh, and at least you have the liquidity. And, and that's kind of where we come from, like right now, you know, if tax brackets go to 70%, we might change that so you know right. you gotta you gotta put a product you know not just in is it appropriate for a person but is it like appropriate for the times you know right. uh, yep. you know and again you know if if somebody has a very high tax bracket now 
Okay, an annuity makes sense because when you're retired, it's probably not going to be higher. If you're going to pay taxes, it's better to avoid them at a higher tax bracket and pay them at a lower tax bracket. You know, that's the whole idea behind retirement plans, but that's also the idea behind variable annuities. So there's a whole bunch of circumstances you have to consider about whether they're appropriate or not. And I just think it's ironic that conservative investors aren't appropriate for variable annuities these days because of where bonds are and where the costs are. Okay, unless you you, you shop for stripped down, oh my God, no guarantees, variable annuities, which is the kind that we own and prefer given the circumstances. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and I would point out, right, I mean, not only did you have... Tax rates coming down, but you 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 had interest rates coming down too, right? So you had you know, yep. you know, back in the eighties, CDs you were paying a heck of a lot more in those, and those were all taxable at income rates. Uh, and then as we've gone along here, uh, you also have probably return assumptions coming down as well. I mean, that's one of the things that we're talking about with our clients on an ongoing basis, right? You know. When I broke into the business, sort of the you know the, the assumption was oh the stock market's going to earn ten percent. You know when when <laughs> you know, in the eighties and nineties you you were probably talking about twelve percent per year. Now we are you know now it's you know probably yeah. if we if our clients asked us now maybe now the stock market is going to give you eight percent. Right? Obviously we have no idea. These are just guesses, but yep. it seems like you're looking at lower return expectations, and and that's just sort of all collapsed on variable annuities where you know. In the in you know sort of in the 90s and 2000s, you still had these high cost structures, along with everything else going you know sort of flying in the face of it, and and we sort of were out. I mean, we were out of the annuity variable annuity game for a long time. Yeah. yeah. With, you know, with regards to a new product, you know, putting our clients in a new product, I can't. You know, we probably went many years uh, without doing one, and and then as rates came down. It's sort of become a little bit um, well. There are some of these circumstances which we've done them, but they just were rarer and rarer. And now that the costs are coming down, they're maybe a little bit more attractive. But yeah, and and now strange. Yeah, and now the marketing departments and insurance companies are saying, well, let's do some additional or new kinds of guarantees like living income benefits and stuff, yeah. which we'll talk about. So they're, they're, they're insurance companies. They're gonna, they make their money on insurance, and yeah. they have some appropriate uses, but you just have to know that. All right, any summary comments, by my son, before we take a break? No, I think I'm all set. All right, let's do segue. it, Tim. Already. Hey, Papa, it's time for a break, and you have to stop talking. Should I worry about this market volatility? The South Shore's breaking news weather and traffic station. WATD FM Marshfield. WATD Brockton. Did you know that there are almost 10,000 mutual funds out there? Not to mention almost 2,000 ETFs. And what's an ETF? Given these overwhelming numbers, how do you go about selecting what's appropriate? Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. If you're ready to let a professional worry about your investments, visit us at McNamaraFinancial.com. You own a business or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits. For instance, do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job you have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs, 
and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. Market turbulence can cause panic, and you might be wondering if your investments are allocated properly. I'm Kirk Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Let me help you understand your investment strategy and ensure that it is suitable for you. Then you can turn off the financial news and move on with your life. Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Hi, this is Mike McNamara. I promise that whatever the topic is today, it will be very much worth your while to stay with us. I also promise to speak English and not use any fancy investment terms in an attempt to impress you. So what do we talk about on this show? We certainly discuss investment strategies and investments, but there are a whole bunch of other financial decisions that you need to make in your life that will ultimately determine your financial success. Examples are living within your means, managing your debt, having adequate insurance, paying for college, saving for retirement, having basic legal documents, researching social security, Medicare, and pension options, and planning for retirement. We think that everyone listening to this show should have a comprehensive written financial plan to guide you in living your life now and planning for a successful retirement. If you don't know what a comprehensive financial plan is, you definitely need to stay with us. Okay, here comes the legal stuff. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak with on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. This is the part where we have to say that investment returns are not guaranteed and that past performance does not guarantee future results. You probably know that, but we just want to make sure. So, sit back and relax. Give us a call if you like at 781-837-4900. We promise to be polite and speak English. It might even be fun.
we're back. This is 95.9 FM WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts. Local news, local weather, local sports, local politics, and local financial talk. That would be me. My uh, business partner and son, Justin, is uh, keeping me company this morning. Good morning, son. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, i got to do a couple commercials here, folks, and, and these will be good ones, I promise. So first of all, I want to give a shout-out to the Marshfield Food Pantry. Folks, uh, they need our help. They serve a whole bunch of families in the town of Marshfield, uh, and I'd like you to help them out with their donation of food or money. You can send your tax-deductible donation to the Marshfield Food Pantry, Post Office Box 1907 in Marshfield, Massachusetts, 02050. Or you could drop off donations or money okay, uh, at their new headquarters in uh, the Library Plaza, downtown Marshfield. All right, next week's radio show, uh, Credit Counseling. All righty. Uh, Kirk and Alyssa will be joined by special guest Peter J. Mullen of American Consumer Credit Counseling. Call in or text your questions to Alyssa, Kirk, or Peter. Justin, we didn't talk about the texting possibilities for us in our show. Next time we do one, we'll have to do that, okay? <laughs> we have to uh, give out our numbers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but that, no, we, we have a special phone for that or something, I think. I I, I don't know. You can talk yeah, to Yeah, but neither, neither one of us has that phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That must be secret stuff with Alyssa, right? Okay. All right, so She's in the two Saturdays. <laughs> All right, so two weeks from today, that would be February 9th, all about asset allocation. I love that word allocation, Justin. Instead of say, say all about your asset mixture, we, we professionals we say all about asset allocation. Okay, so folks, uh, my myself and my bride of low these many years, Pamela, will be my my uh, straight man, and uh, we're going to do a kind of a fun show about uh, how your investments should be mixed and how all that good stuff works. And then last but not least, so uh, Kirk Reed, uh, my favorite son-in-law without question, uh, he's going to be uh, doing a class on financial planning and investment education in the town of Hanover, okay, uh, and it's going to start uh, Monday, February 11th, and uh, it's a couple hours uh, of times, I'm not sure how many weeks, but if you have an interest and get to meet Kirk, he, he knows his stuff, because uh, I taught him, and uh, you can register at the hanoverschools.org. Org, or you can call our office at 781-834-2010 for more information. But Kirk is going to step out, Justin, into the big world and do some teaching. What do you think about that? Huh? I like it. All right. You want to think like, about think he, that? He'll be good that. at that. He's, he's, yeah, he's got a he good, uh, good way about him. Very he's, he's he an engaging guy. All right. So, folks, this is podcast number three of our show gloriously entitled The World of Annuities. Okay, and uh, the subject of this is Living Benefits Annuities. So if you... Yeah, I, I love that. If you were with us on our last show, we talked about variable annuities and the fact that they have what we investment types call bells and whistles, but what insurance types would call insurance protections uh, built into investments. Okay, and, and in the last few years, those insurance folks, those guys in the back room with their pencils and calculators, they're coming up with all kinds of stuff that's hard to keep up with. And so that's the, the intent of this show. Okay, um, and... Hello, am I still there, Jess? You're still here. Yeah, I can hear oh, you. Okay, I think well, someone else is on the line. Sounds like a phone right. call, but go ahead. Sound, sounds fuzzy to yes, me. Yes, it is a phone call. We have Tom in Kingston standing by. All right. Hey, Tom, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, gentlemen. Doing good, thank you. All right, what's on your mind? Uh, talking about the annuities. Uh, 
quick question. You said, like, in the example you gave, 100000 you get 484 Yep. For the rest of your life. Is there a cash value after you pass away? No. So we it, wouldn't n- have Not to in that case. Yes. Yeah, so you, you can, yeah, you can ahead, have... There are, there are lots of different types of... You're talking about a, um, a, an immediate annuity where you put in the 100000 and you got the... I think it was, uh, yeah, the 480... I don't know what it was, 483 per month or whatever it was. Yeah, so, whatever it is. Say, for yeah. example, my wife and I put 100000 and they give us 484 a month, yep. if that's whatever the amount is. Yep. After my wife and I die, is there anything left over for the kids that they can take? Right, so there are lots of options. In, in that case, that was life only, right? So, so the options are generally life only, which is if the answer is no, Tom. Yeah, okay. not in that case. But you could, you could also get an. Uh, you know, there was an example. I don't think we read it on the air. Um, there was, there's also something called life with ca- with cash refund, which is, you know, in this case, it would be four seventy six a month, uh, and so you get a little bit less money every month, but. If you pass away before you get all of your money back, then you ha- you know you would name beneficiaries and they would get it back, right? So if you'd only collected five thousand dollars in income and you and you happen to both pass away, then you know the rest of the ninety five would go to your beneficiaries. So yeah, there, there are different options in in the fixed annuity world. You know there there are a set numbers of years, right? You could choose life with five years certain, which is it goes for the rest of your life and a minimum of five years. And if you passed away before before those five years were up, then you would uh, you know then your beneficiary would collect the remaining years of income payments. So many flavors of choices, Tom. Many flavors. Yep. And the and last question, and that will be all taxable income. No, that, uh, the, the income would be ta- right. So if you put in a hundred, whatever your earnings would be would be taxable, right? So if whatever the you know if it was say a three percent per year, right? Wh- whatever part of that is is taxable, but it would be generally speaking a very small percent. Especially the the cash refund, probably almost probably I would guess none of it would be taxable. Yeah, they're, they're mostly handing you back your own money, Tom. So there's no yep. tax consequences on that. Awesome. Thanks okay. so much, guys. Sure. Appreciate it. All righty. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Tom. Jess? Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm confused. Uh, of the, the ones we could talk about, where do you want to start? Uh, pick, pick one. I, I, I'm not sure which is the most popular or the most interesting. So, <laughs> Neither, I mean, they're, they're, I think they're very similar. We're talking about the income benefit versus the lifetime withdrawal benefit. Yeah. How about we do the 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 the, uh, the lifetime withdrawal benefit? That is that like the most popular? You think? Or I think so. I, I mean, I yeah. think that I think and I think in a lot of cases they're used in tandem, right? You know, sort of you know one kind of like a, a variable annuity that turns into maybe a fixed annuity. I think oftentimes an uh, an income benefit can be swapped and turned into withdrawal benefits. So All right. In that like case, two sides yeah. of the same coin. All right. Let me start with that. Okay. So, folks. Okay. The the official. Um, guarantee we're going to talk about is called a guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit, otherwise known as GLWB in the business, but guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit. And because I'm such a professional, I went on the internet and went to Investopedia. Okay. (laughs) And this must be right. Okay. And so here's Investopedia's definition explanation. Okay. In, okay, so guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit. In most cases, if you were to access the funds in the annuity, you would have to either annuitize it 
which creates regular distributions or face fee penalties. Okay, the guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit allows access to invested capital regardless of the performance of the investment and continues to maintain and invest in the annuity. The percent of the allowable withdrawal will depend on the contract but can be increased in most cases if the date at which the annuity payments begin is delayed. Uh, let, let me let me try to dumb that down a bit here, okay? <laughs> so that clears it up. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Just in case, you know, if you don't want to research this, folks. Okay, we get confused too. Don't feel like you're overwhelmed listening why, to us here. Why don't we step back and, and just sort of okay. g- give the simple example of, you know, sort of a... Of a variable annuity that turns into an annuitization, right? So, in the, you know, let's say this is 15 years ago, you buy an annuity that has an investment component to it, and you hold it for 20, 25 years, and at the end of the day, you have, you know, let's say you have $200,000 in there. At that point, so you might then hand that $200,000 to the insurance company and say, okay, you know, here's my $200,000 that I've, that I've accumulated. Now I'm going to give it to you, insurance company, and you are going to hand me back a check. In other words, that two hundred disappears and is replaced by an income stream. Yeah, right, I think that's sort of the baseline that yeah. we should stop. That we should okay. start with. That was the that was sort of the old way of doing things, and it was kind of very black and white. And you know, you had an accumulation phase, and then you had a distribution phase, and your money sort of disappeared. But but with this guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit, that doesn't happen. So you start taking withdrawals on a pot of money but they guarantee the amount of the withdrawal that you're able to take yeah and so the average is like seven percent we'll just use that and let's pretend it's a hundred grand okay so all of a sudden i've got a hundred grand they're gonna give me you know seven percent of that okay uh for for a, a minimum of well so the insurance company looks at you looks at the money looks at your age figures out how long on average you're going to live and they'll say you can have this much money out of that pot, okay, and you can have that forever. And six or seven percent is a, a a number. Well, that's seven thousand dollars forever. That sounds like a whole whole long time, right? It does. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. So, so it sounds tremendously attractive, and and for a lot of folks, it is. So let's see. So average is seven percent with a minimum of fourteen point two years. That's in the business. So it's age related. The numbers. Well. Yep. So the insurance company says there's a hundred grand in there. If we give this guy seven thousand dollars a year for the rest of his life, okay. If he dies on average, it'll be fourteen years from now, okay, and uh, and we'll be even, okay? If the, the income stops before then because the guy dies, it's insurance. If the income goes beyond that, it's guaranteed forever. That's a pretty appealing situation. Right. But what people have to understand is they're handing you back your capital. You know, if you walked into an investment firm and they started giving you back your capital, that <laughs> people would be concerned about that, right? I don't want to touch my capital. As long as you understand... You know, they're going to give you an interest rate, okay, that's going to pay you to to about your life expectancy. The interest rate sounds great. Remember, they're handing you back capital, not just your interest, folks. And and that's how the, the situation works. And it's insurance. If you live beyond the time, okay, then somebody who died earlier is going to pay for the rest of your income. And if you die before that break even time, you're going to pay for somebody else. It's not an investment, it's insurance, and it's okay, 
but you need to understand that. Don't equate it to an investment. It's insurance. Right. And just just to go back to the you know the, the example that Tom called about, which was you know you had given a sixty five year old couple with a hundred thousand dollars. Yep. He said you know uh, it was four eighty three a month. Uh, I think he said four eighty four, um, but the numbers that we gave out were four eighty three a month. Whatever. If you, yep. If you did that and you annualize that, that's a, a 5.8% uh, quote-unquote return of the money. Holy right? so mackerel. If right. you handed yeah. them, yeah. them $100,000 and they gave you 483 per month, 483 uh, per month um, annualized is about 5.8%. It's about $5,800, yeah. so 5.8% yeah. of that $100,000. So it's, it's a similar number in to the guaranteed minimum income benefit. Uh, and you are getting, you know, so you're you're able to take that money. The difference is is that you, in theory, right, could have money left at the end, right? So, so in this case and in the next one that we'll talk about, uh, you kind of have this hypothetical. Uh, you sort of, you, they create a hypothetical pot of money where you know you invest a hundred thousand and and you can take out your seven thousand dollars a year if it's a seven thousand dollar if it's a seven percent guaranteed uh, you know minimum income benefit you still you still have that hundred thousand invested but they are taking money out of it so in theory if you're earning more than seven percent on your investment then you might you know then you're then you're kind of ahead of the game. And after the, you know, however many guaranteed years, I mean, you can get a guaranteed number of years of income. You can get, you know, sort of a lifetime guarantee, but you might have money left at the, at the end if the, you know, if your investments perform well enough. Does that Well, that you might have money after you pay a 3% charge every year for the annuity. That's, that's not going to happen. And that's, that's, right. that's okay. So, so there's no yeah. shot that there's going to be money left afterwards, right. folks, because whatever your money's earning, they're taking 3% a year or 25 or 3% a year to get paid. Right. Okay, so, so they're handing you back your own money, okay, yep. uh, if they have to, and they have it figured out. It, it, it's okay to do this, yeah. but you have to understand, folks, that if you die before your life expectancy, you're paying, you're done, and you're paying for somebody else. And if you, well, live, no, you have, so you have your, you, in that case, you, you get your money back, right? So, yeah. so if, if you haven't depleted yeah. your asset completely, yeah. Yeah. what you have is you, you have the income coming off of, of what's effectively $100,000, right? They, you know, they, they say you have this income, uh, you know, your, ben- your income benefit is based on 7% of $100,000. Your actual money is very probably less than $100,000, right? If, if in year one, you earn 5%, and you took out your seven percent of the, uh, you know, thanks to the guaranteed minimum income benefit, then you your account officially shrunk by two thousand dollars, right? You're down from a hundred to ninety eight thousand, and that happens year after year. And be- and because of the, you know, because you're, you know, if you're especially if you're older and you're taking out a large percentage of the portfolio, uh, because the the older you are, the high the the more they'll give you as a percentage, right? If you're sixty five, they probably won't give you seven percent. It's, it's probably closer to five. And if you're, you know, if you're seventy five, they may give you, you know, they may give you eight percent or whatever it is. But yeah, um, that your actual money is being depleted. It's probably being depleted very, you know, very likely being de- depleted faster, uh, or or it's very likely shrinking 
because you're taking such a large percentage of the money out. Yeah, my comment would be you're guaranteed to have your money shrink right. if you do this. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Think about this way, Just. If you have to earn 7% to break even with your money, right. you're going to go out and earn 10 if you're paying them 3%. What, what, are, yeah. what are the chances? None. Right. Not, not that great. Not. I mean, it's it's not none. I mean, if you if you ha- if you okay. happen to do it into, into the beginning of a great bull market, then how about theory, slim to none? Slim. Yeah, slim to okay. none is, is probably good. You can't. We can't throw out any guarantees, Dad. Good or bad? Here, you know. Come on. <laughs> but insurance companies get to do this, Justin. <laughs> okay. Well, and it they sounds have so good. They have contracts. <laughs> uh, but you know, and they're you know, I would say they. They disclose all this. It's just it's just very difficult to understand. You know, hopefully yeah, I mean, we're helping that. But I don't yeah, know. The, the the you know, folks, you have this pot of money. It's gonna it, 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 you're gonna pay two and a half or three percent for. One, by the way, wait, no, I I forgot the the average cost of a guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit is like five tenths to six tenths of a percent. So by the way, if we have a death benefit and that. In the policy, you're talking about three and a quarter percent per year costs. Right. That's period. Yeah. Okay, yeah. folks. And so, so that pot of money of yours, subtract three and a quarter percent every year from your return. Okay. And let's see. Oh, well, I'll never get a seven percent return. By the way, that seven percent, we need to call that a payout. Not right. interest, because it's not interest. That's very deceiving. They're giving you a seven percent payout which may well include a chunk of your invested capital. And, and as long as people understand that before right. they proceed, great. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a, I, I guess in, its, uh, in favor is a little bit more flexibility than you have with a fixed annuitization, right? You know, the, the issue that most people have, and, and I would say most people because I don't think they're all that popular, is that we don't see a lot of people handing an insurance company $100,000 and, and taking back that 484 per month, right? That, that's not all that common. Yep. And part of the reason is because it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's, it's like the finality of it, right? You, you, that, that money is gone um, and, you know, they, they'll only give it back to you basically maybe if you, if you have a death benefit option on there if you die, right? So you don't ever see that $100,000. All you see is an income stream. And that's a hard decision for people to make because you lose the liquidity. In the case of the withdrawal benefit, it's probably to, to, to kind of fight against that where they would say, okay, we're going to give you the income stream, but if you need to take some money out, you still have some flexibility. Yeah, uh, so, so it is, makes a not-so-good thing a little better. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yeah. Again, and... and ex- exceptionally difficult to understand. I mean, I, I assume people have probably gotten that because we're, we're doing our best to explain it, but it's, they are very complicated and uh, they're hard to understand. So you know, yeah. please do your but, homework when looking into one of these. But yeah, yeah I mean, they, they, have, they, have their, they have their uses. There are some people who, uh, for whom they're appropriate for. Um, but people who are not comfortable investing, basically, that's with right. the risk. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, fine. Yeah. That's what you, that's what you want to do. You know, you want to yep. be able to. They, you know, you could say, all right, you know, I'm, I'll I'll invest in the market, but I don't love the volatility. So people will say, all right, well, you know, in this case, you the insurance company says, in this case, you can never your income can never go down, right? You're always going to have that seven percent per year, even if your actual funds go to zero, your balance goes to zero, the insurance company will still continue paying you that 7% even until, uh, you know, for as long as the contract, uh, for as long as is stated in the contract. Yeah. Let, let's, do, uh, let's do one other one here. Uh, okay. Gar- guaranteed minimum accumulation benefit. 
okay? And by the way, the cost for this, folks, is between a quarter and a half a percent per year, but, but here's how it is. Definition of Investopedia. This is a little better than the last one. <laughs> Guarantees the minimum amount received by the annuitant after the accumulation period or other set period of time, usually somewhere close to 10 years. So, so you put $100,000 into this annuity, you purchase the guaranteed minimum accumulation benefit, okay, and they basically say, you know, we'll give you a minimum return of, uh, pick a number, 5% for the next 10 years. Well, yep. how, how cool is this? Let me see, I'm gonna put 100 grand into an annuity, they're going to guarantee me 5% per year for the next 10 years, guaranteed. And all I got to do is pay a half a point per that per year to make that work. Okay. Well, yep. so let's see. Okay. Uh, in order for you in that same contract to earn 5% on your own, if you're paying 35 or 3% for cost, you got to go earn 8 or 9% on your money to equal the 5% that they're going to give you. Okay. And my point is there's no way that your money is going to outperform the 5%. They know that, and that's the deal. So don't, don't when you enter into one of these things, oh, they're going to guarantee my, my money. Yes, because what they're going to guarantee you is going to be bigger than what you're going to earn more than likely because of the huge costs involved, and there you are. You're in, in a relationship with an insurance company who's, who, who knew that to begin with. I, I told folks at the beginning I had biases, Just. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And just, and just, to, just to flesh this one out a little bit more, so what they'll do is they, they sort of create this hypothetical, a, it's a hypothetical pot of money, and if you, if you put in $100,000 and you get sort of this five, you know, they guarantee you 5% every year, every year they're going to add $5,000 to your you know, to to this what they call like an income base, right? So, every year you add five thousand, and if you go for let's say ten years, your hundred thousand turned into one hundred and fifty thousand, right? The only way to get that hundred and fifty thousand is to take it out as income, right? You, oh you, yeah. You can't. You don't get to take that one fifty. It's not real money, and the only thing that you have a secondary pot of money, which is which is actually growing, which is actually invested in the market, and that may or may not be higher. Again, w most of the times that we see it, they're not higher, right? Because they, they have such a, they have a large cost structure. And so normally we'll come in and we'll read a statement with a client and it will say, okay, well, your income base is $150,000, but if you wanted to take the money out, uh, you know, you only earned... So you got 110 say, or whatever. Yeah, let's say you earned 3% on yours, and so your actual money, if you wanted to take it out, yeah, is uh, $130,000. And yeah. if you, if you want to keep that 150, the only way to get it is to, is to annuitize it or to do kind of an income benefit on it. So it's, it's like a hypothetical pot of money. Yeah. And it's, a, it's another way you, you sort of feel stuck because, you know, the client might come in and say, oh, oh, look, it says it's 150. And then you have to say, oh, well, it's not really 150. That's not real money. Your real money is 130. And it's just kind of a, it's a sticky situation where, you know, they, they clients don't want to uh, take the 130 and go. They would, you know, it looks better. That 150 just You're looks stuck better. there. Yeah, right, you're stuck yeah. there. 
if yeah. you want. Just, just, do you think it would be possible that we could start talking to our clients about hypothetical pots of money yeah. in their accounts? What do, you, what do you think? Would that be okay? I think I don't think so. I think those people go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! So, so, folks, pardon, pardon us if we're kind of laughing about this. These kinds yeah. of things are appropriate for folks who aren't comfortable investing. We right. we don't happen to know a lot of those folks, so pardon our biases here. And yeah. and we just you know at any time that a guarantee comes with an investment. You pay a lot of money, and you're probably not going to take advantage of it. That, that, that's basically, you know, that, that's just how it works. And, and these, these benefits we've talked about, they kind of lock you into a relationship with an insurance company because your real money is highly likely to never do as well as your hypothetical pot of money sort of a thing and yeah you know if you understand all this stuff go for it but I, i'm sorry justin it takes us days to read over these contracts and understand them and we have to call some people sometime so yeah. you know f- folks you know th- these these things you just have to understand before you proceed and if we gave you a test on what you owned you'd probably flunk it and that's and, and you wouldn't be unusual folks that's just kind of the way it is okay yeah just we got about a minute you want to do the summary here or what yeah i mean i, I think i guess my the like like everything else, like anything in the in uh, in the annuity world, they really they kind of work when you have a, a disaster scenario. You know, assuming the insurance company uh, you know is is still in business. Uh, if you get a really lousy market for a long time, and let's say you invested a hundred thousand, and ten years later it's worth eighty. But your, you know, the the pot from which you could grow your, in, you know, f- could take income is one fifty. Well, in that case, it's it's it was probably a good investment. You know, you paid yeah. a lot of money for it, but uh, you know, it worked out, and it's just, you know, that again, like they're they're appropriate the same way a CD is appropriate p- potentially for someone who uh, is very conservative. You know, these are probably along the same lines where you know you're just looking to not lose money and this is kind of a complicated way to go about it and okay if it's if you understand it but you know in our in our experience most people just don't you know yeah if you don't understand it don't invest folks time for a break hey papa you have to stop talking so we can take a break can i have my ice cream now my daughter wants a pair of shoes that have those little wheels built in to make them skates. I told her she has to wait until her birthday, which is 167 days away, an eternity for a six-year-old. This idea of delayed gratification is all too uncommon in our society, but is an underlying theme with the clients that I work with. Not many people can build a nest egg and thus a secure financial future by being impulsive. This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Give me a call if I can help you with your delayed gratification, which I'm sure will be worth the wait. The South Shore's breaking news, weather and traffic station, WATD-FM Marshfield, WATD-Brockton. You own a business or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits. For instance, Do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs 
and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. Hi, this is Mike McNamara with McNamara Financial Services in Marshfield. Most folks don't have a good understanding of their investments or investment strategy. Well, if you would like to do a little homework, we'll be happy to give you our thoughts on your investments. No strings attached. It's worth an hour of our time to have the opportunity to meet you. 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. This is Mike McNamara. This show is for folks who want to get more educated about their financial affairs. We figure that's just about everyone listening. If you have a financial advisor, hopefully our discussions will make you feel that you're being well cared for. If you don't have a financial advisor, hopefully our discussions will be helpful to you in finding a good one. By the way, we think everyone should have an independent financial advisor who is a certified financial planner practitioner and who at all times acts as a fiduciary on behalf of their clients. That means always acting in the client's best interest. Always. That is our humble and biased opinion. McNamara Financial Services is an independent financial planning and money management firm with offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, Massachusetts. We are a family business. My son Justin, daughter Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and son-in-law Kirk Reed are my business partners. Justin, Alyssa, Kirk, and I are all certified financial planner practitioners. Alyssa, Kirk, and Justin will host just about half of the McNamara on Money radio shows over the course of this year. The senior partner, that would be me, will host the other half of those shows. I have been doing this radio show since 1990 and figure I deserve a Saturday off every once in a while. McNamara Financial Services is a registered investment advisor That means that we are required by law to act as fiduciaries for our clients at all times. Even if it wasn't a law, we think it's a good way to run a business. So sit back and relax. Give us a call if you like at 781-837-4900. We promise to be polite and answer your questions in English. It might even be fun. We're back. This is 95.9 FM WATD in Marshfield. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, my business partner and son, Justin, is uh, with me this morning, and we are talking about the world of annuities, a rather grandiose term, I know. Uh, and uh, the way we work it, folks, is uh, this is podcast number four. We break our show up into four parts. And in this particular section, we're going to talk about indexed annuities, a very interesting and very confusing uh, situation from our point of view. Justin, would you like to kick off the discussion, my son? By the way, very quickly, next Saturday, folks, the show is Credit Counseling with Kirk and Alyssa and uh, Peter J. Mullen from American Consumer Credit Counseling. And two Saturdays from now, uh, that would be all about asset allocation. Myself and my bride of uh, many years, Pamela, will sit down and we'll have some fun talking about how you're investments should be mixed. Okay, Justin, take it away. All right. Well, you should you should uh, write books. Those are, those would be good book titles. The world of annuities, all about asset allocation. Yeah, I'm through with that stuff. <laughs> I'd rather go uh, fishing. All right. I guess I have to do I, I have to do index annuities, huh? All right. I That's why I, I did this in an order, so you'd end up with that one. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, well, we were uh, 
you were kind enough to to get the uh, the Investopedia definition uh, for us. So I'll start. I will start by reading that, courtesy of Investopedia. Uh, an indexed annuity is a special class of annuity that yields returns on contributions based on a specific equity index. An, an equity index being. Uh, you know, probably most commonly, you know, the, the Dow Jones, the S and P 500, the Nasdaq. Those are what we call equity indexes. There are, you know, probably now hundreds of them, but those are the ones that uh, that people hear about on the news. So, uh, again, it yields returns on contributions based on a specific equity index. It is also common for the annuitant, that is the person who owns the annuity, to experience lower than expected yields due to the combination of caps on maximum amount of interest earned and fee-related deductions. Uh, where have we heard that before, right? Yeah. Participate in market upside, but protection on the downside. So again, similar theme. You know, basically, this is uh, insurance companies are good at this. They, it's, it's a guaranteed product, and it is for folks who are probably not all that comfortable. You know, maybe, maybe you know, folks like us tell them that they should be invested in the market because the stock, you know, over long periods of time, the stock in bond markets, if you're invested in them, you know, you, you can grow your money, you can beat inflation. Uh, people know that, they get that message, but then there are a class of people who also don't want uh, to deal with the ups and downs that come along with that investment and enter the indexed annuity. And I, I think... Savior of the investment world. <laughs> uh, so... So the the first the first thing about the index annuity is you are you're never going to lose money, right? Uh, and and just to be clear, you can sort of combine all these types of annuities. We you know we segmented this into kind of fixed and immediate annuities, and then variable annuities, and then we talked about uh, guaranteed minimum income benefits and mi- guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefits. Now we're talking about equity index annuities. You don't just have to have one or the other, right? You you know you often have variable you know variable annuities. Uh, are are sort of augmented with the guaranteed minimum benefits that we discussed, and the same can happen with indexed annuities, right? The indexed annuity is just how the money grows, and you could then add other things on top of it. So just just to be clear, these are not. We did four segments here, but they're not uh, four individual products that are that, that can't be sort of combined and used together. Okay, so the way an indexed annuity works is you put in some money. Let's use our our traditional hundred thousand dollar example, and you you're never going to lose that money. All right, so that's step one. That's part of the guarantee. People like that. Oh, I'm going to invest a hundred thousand dollars, and it's it will never go below one hundred thousand dollars. That's great. People love it. Okay? And, by, and by the way, Des, that money is not invested in the index. It's put in the insurance company's general pool of money. So when you put that money, folks, Correct. it's not invested. Actually, in the index, it's mixed up with the insurance company's money. That's right. It is not. That's right. It's not your money. And unlike in a variable annuity, where your money goes into the variable annuity, then goes into a sub account, which is basically a mutual fund, and it is then invested in underlying securities. You are not actually invested in the index that you're in. That's correct. Um, okay. So, so how do you? So, if you can't lose money. Um, there's got to be some on the other side. You know, you you do get to participate, right? So the the sales pitch is okay. You're going to be invested in the market. You're going to participate when it goes up, and you are not going to participate when it goes down. Which sounds terrific. Okay, doesn't get any better than that. Doesn't get <laughs> all the upside, none of the downside. No, that's not that's not actually true. Um, so you the, the the reason that they work from the insurance company's point of view is that you do not get all of the upside. Um, 
for you you have to obviously give up something for the pleasure of never seeing your account go down in value and so the way that they uh cap you know th- th- that they sort of limit the upside is through something called a cap rate uh and and or a participation rate okay a cap rate is it's a number up to which the index goes where you are capped right so let's say uh we have a great year in the market and the and we'll use the S&P 500 index right cuz that's that's sort of the most common index that is used um when we're tracking these uh so we have a great year in the S&P 500 and you in, you've invested your $100,000 into an equity indexed annuity and the stock market is up 25%. The S&P goes up 25%. That's great for people who are actually invested in the market. For folks who are in the equity index annuities, they stopped somewhere at whatever their cap was. All right, let's say their cap was 10%. Uh, so what happened to them in that year was they didn't make 25%. They made 10 because the market went up a certain amount but you're not allowed to make over a certain amount in an equity indexed annuity because you have a cap of 10%. Okay, so they stop you on the upside. All right. Uh, there's an, the other potential way that they, that they limit your upside is called the participation rate. And a participation rate is just a percentage of the upside. So, that, you know, that you may get, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I'm not exactly, we don't, we're not overly... 80 or 90%, Justin's probably an average participation rates. Okay. And, and they yeah. must usually be used with a cap, I believe, too. So, you, yeah. you know, you may, you yeah. may participate with the market 80%. So, in a year where you're, if you had a cap of 10% and you had a, participant rate, a participation rate of 80, if the stock market was up 10% one year, you would be up, your account would be up 8%, right? So you participated 80% of the market, which was capped at 10, but you didn't make it to 10, so you stopped at 8, right? Yeah, if and if, mark- you, if you didn't make it to the cap, let's say the market was up 6%, you'd get 80% of 6. That's, Correct. So the, the, two, the two things go together, which is the important thing. Correct. So yeah, so, so that's how they, and, and again, that's how, if the insurance company is going to basically fund you on the downside, cut off, your, cut off the bottom, they also need to cut off the top of the returns, and that's the way they do it with cap rates and participation rates. Okay, uh, let's see what else we go. Yeah, we, we so floors. We about the floor. Yeah, floor. And, again, the floor is generally. It's I, I've never seen we've never seen a product like this where you can actually get a negative return. So generally, the floor is zero percent. So the worst you can do in any year. Let's say you're in that S and P 500 index, and we have a year like 2008, and the S and P is down whatever it was 30, 35, or 40 percent. You didn't lose any money that year, so your zero was your floor. Or you may have you may have a contract where you actually have a positive floor, right? So you might earn somewhere, you know, maybe maybe you had a two percent floor, and so even in a year where your chosen index is negative, you get to earn two percent, right? And that's that. Those years, I'm sure, feel great, right? Everyone else who's in, invested in the S and P is down forty, and there you are earning your two. Okay, so that's the that's the floor part of it. Um, and I guess the, so. It's it's relatively straightforward, and it seems like uh, you know they they do seem like a good idea. There's a couple of things that you sort of have to watch out for. Um, the first is is when you when you think about long. Oh, do we have a call? Uh, already. All right. Who is this? We, you, it's John in Marshfield. I did text you, Mike, but anyways. okay. Th- oh. Sorry about that, Tim. Yeah, Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> he, your father doesn't text Justin. He's. Full. <laughs> 
There's a surprise. No, he, I can confirm. The problem he... is here. This is, this is interesting, Justin. You live in Chelmsford. I do. I live I in Westford. Chelmsford, and I live in Marshfield. Oh, really? Okay. All my growing up years were Chelmsford, University of Lowell, that, that area. Oh, nice. And, um, and uh, but I live in uh, but I live in Marshfield now, around the corner from uh, from Kirk, actually. Oh, just... <laughs> really, and my my daughter was at their house yesterday. Small world, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, I know it is. I know it is. Hey, uh, I had a. Uh, Fortunately, uh, I, I included a portion of of uh, an annuity, and I don't, should I be mentioning names of companies? Uh, probably not. Why don't you just kind of describe it? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well, the stick was we bought it. My wife and I bought it in uh, 2010. Uh, 2020 will be 65, so it works. Right. If, if we retire yep. at around that age. Now, the stick back then, and it's from a well-known company that. Um, actually had a show on WATD, so you, you okay. can figure that out. You can figure Ju that out. Okay. Justin, Justin, shtick is not a good word he's starting out with, I want you to okay, know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, um, fortunately I didn't, their, their big thing was um, everything that you said, it's an indexed annuity, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it never goes down. The sales pitch is the same. Fortunately, I didn't put a ton into it. I thought it was. It sounded good. I mean, I, maybe I was sold on it. I don't know. But anyway, um, in addition to that, they they if you're oh I, I think if you're under sixty, they'll match they'll match ten percent of whatever you invested. So if you put a hundred thousand in, it's immediately worth a hundred and ten thousand. Yeah, it's called a, which, a bonus. Yeah. Uh huh. That's yeah, called a, they call it a bonus, yeah. And I'm curious, um, you know, in, in listening to your show, and I've heard others, uh, most financial investment people uh, and advisors do not recommend annuities. You can probably put your money in the bank and get a better return when everything's said and done, uh, particularly when the mortgage rates are, are high. When the mortgage, as we know, when the mortgage rates are high, the uh, money that their banks are paying in savings accounts are higher, too. So, you know, you can probably net out um, something just as good if you're looking for a solid investment. And... Uh, in addition to that, you still got the so if you put a hundred thousand in as an example, you still got the hundred thousand that you have access to yeah. in an in an, in an indexed annuity, you do not have access to that hundred thousand or whatever the total is. Right. <clears throat> Which is uh and you know, if you put money like your dad always says, if you put money in the stock market and you go back twenty years and do an average, you're gonna do much better in a stock market than you would in an annuity. Um and uh, I think now, did you say that it's only seven percent is the is the, the once it's matured, and I think it's after ten years, the maximum you can only take out on a yearly basis is seven percent. So th there are all kinds of annuities. I mean, we're we're using kind of sort of generic Averages. numbers, yeah. And so every annuity contract will be different. You know, they are probably different in 2010 when you purchased yours than they are now because the market is always changing and evolving and return assumptions mm -hmm. change. So we're not using, none of the numbers and percentages we, we're throwing out are are meant to represent the you know a specific annuity or the entire annuity market. They're just kind of averages because that's all we can do. This investment was made through an, a well-known uh, German-based company. Okay. So okay. For, for, for their uh, 
lock it in say pretty much no I think you probably know which one it is yeah yep. by the way a, an easy way to look at this is that there's an accumulation phase okay and then there's a, a take it out phase and so the right. indexed annuity is the accumulated but how you take it out there's all kinds of variations mm. the uh, and and you know the the uh, I, I think the gentleman that we deal with said after 10 years that it's re-annuitized and then, then that gives you a, uh, I think that's the word he used, I think that gives you a, an income at that point for the yeah. rest of your life. That sounds right. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like Does a, that like sound a... right? When, now, tell me what, so, so as an example, say, say, um, say if it's 10%, 10% of 100000 that gives me $10,000, uh, maybe the market did... 20% some years and and you know they're and I realize that they're buying in uh, into uh into mutual funds and so they're getting they they don't want to pay essentially too much more than whatever they have guaranteed as a return from a, from their investments correct pretty much okay yep and 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 there in the and the other thing is uh I think I don't know if this one has a cap on it uh, Somehow, somehow in my brain, in my memory, uh, I think there is a 10% cap. And then the same thing. They tell you, you know, you're never going to lose any money. If the market drops to whatever, you're never going to lose any money. And I can see that there is a security in that. Um, a, lot of, um, a lot of people that work for companies that have, quote, unquote, 401ks, a lot of those 401ks are in annuities. Is that correct? I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, there some. there are there may be a a uh, some four hundred one ks will have what's called a um, what's it called there like a like a a minimum an interest bearing product. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a you know a two percent guaranteed return, and that's right. sign of an insurance product. But most four hundred one ks are just in pretty much straight mutual funds, at least that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of four you know four hundred three bs and and kind of the public sector, you see more annuities. A lot of the school systems will work, uh, you know, very heavily with annuity companies because and, and that's and, and there's, there's the a big drop off. It's um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it it more the more you talk about it the more annuities seem more like a Ponzi scheme than anything else. Well, no, I wouldn't... To a a degree. (laughs) I I think I understand them correctly. (laughs) But, you know, but they're they're really set up in the same way as as the lottery. They're really set up in in a way very similar. You can take it all now, and it's going to be a lot less. Of course, it's all winnings. It's not... I understand the difference, but... uh, You know, if you if you get you know if you win ten million dollars, you can you can take sixty five hundred now, yeah. or we'll pay it out. You know, so that you get the full full ten million, but it'll be five percent of ten million for twenty years. There you go. Yeah. J- John, by the way, your 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 call has raised a very good question that we didn't talk about. So give me a second here, okay? So okay, go, go. so so you're in this annuity, you're in the accumulation phase, and you Correct. get to the and you get to the point where you want to take it out, okay? Mm-hmm. And in in most of these products. They're going to encourage you to annuitize the money, which just takes some kind of a deal. Well, mm-hmm. here's a point that people don't think about. Because you're in this annuity and you're captive, whatever deal they're going to give you, I bet you if you shopped around, you'd get a better deal from other places. So, so mm-hmm. what, we've, what we've seen in the past... You mean, you mean transferring it to another annuity or that, taking it out yeah. in total? Or what do you yeah, mean by no, that? By transferring it, okay. So l- let me generically make this statement, okay? We have seen a number of folks who are 
who are captive in an annuity and they've been offered an annuitization rate or an annuitization deal. And there's a pretty good chance if you shop around the annuity world, okay, that's not a very good deal because they've got you captive and they figure you won't look around and, and, and do the math and try to move the thing sort of a thing. So mm-hmm. that, that's a, another, you know, you're, you're, cap, you're pretty much captive in this illiquid investment and you're just going to be careful. That's all. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there any, um, once, the, once, the, uh, once the annuity matures, which is, I guess, at 10 years when you start taking, taking out distributions, um, if you move it somewhere else, is there a, uh, excuse me, is there a penalty for doing that? Um, <clears throat> if I recall, Justin, help me out with this. If, I if think you, the, go ahead. If you make it the 10 year, so all, virtually every single one of these is sold, especially if you got a bonus, there was a, you know, there's, there's a, a surrender period, right, where that CDSC would apply. If you move it within the 10 years, then you, then you are charged on the way out. Right. If you move it after the 10 years, there is no charge. You know, the only thing you have to watch out for is if you have kind of a phantom income account where you had hypothetical money growing, you may not be able to take out quite as much as you think. But you know, after the 10-year surrender, you can move it to another annuity without any cost, other than you know, probably like an administration fee. Yeah. You know, they, they may hit you for 100 bucks on the way out, but nothing serious, no percent. And this one, and this one has a cash surrender value, which is equal to 87.5, and I'm reading this from the statement, cash surrender value equal to 87.5 of premium paid minus any withdrawals. We haven't had any withdrawals. Okay. All accumulated at one and a half percent interest compounded annually. Wow, one and a half percent. Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah. <clears throat> I could I could bury it in my yard and get get just about that. <laughs> so, so, sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, that but that's uh anyway, so that's uh um as I said I didn't um I think I got I got uh, it's it's amazing to me um that that the sales people that sell these do as well as they do. We'll, we'll leave that one alone. Well, people, yeah, people, you know, people like guarantees. That's that's the, the long and the short of it is people want to avoid guarantees and people. But you know, if they, you do your homework, if you yeah. do your homework, yeah. and, and any mutual funds that I've ever invested in, I've always looked at mutual funds that have had ten year, ten year um, guarantees. No, ten year um, ten, uh, uh, records. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, ten, ten, year, ten, 10 years where they've uh, where they've done well. I haven't, I haven't, I've tried not to buy into flash in the pan type things, except for you know companies like Apple and you know companies that will probably never make anybody any money. You know, <laughs> but uh, um, I'm kidding. Yeah. But uh, but so anyway, it's it's amazing to me if anybody actually does their homework. Um, unless you don't have a choice. You know there are better choices, and like I like I said, you know you can put your money. You you know bank interest rates are uh, banks are competing with each other for people's money, and you can get three to three and a half to five percent now if you if you're willing to uh, transfer money from one to another. There's a lot of competition going out on with regards to banks. So yeah, John, you know it's funny. I I find it kind of ironic um, that, that you know. By the way. These have been around for a while, but not many of them have been around for 10 years. So we've seen a few people with these that have run the 10 years, and you end up, and you end up with maybe a 3 maybe a 4% return, which is, which is okay. But it's kind of ironic. 
but it's but it's it's not money you can take out though. Well, right. Well, it's also a bond-like return. Right. Okay. As yeah, a, you know, people and, and and you could have bought treasuries and been in the same place. Or, and, or you wouldn't have, and you wouldn't have been taxed on those. And, and you could get out of them anytime. You know, right, that, you can get out of them anytime, yeah. and they're, and they're uh, government investments, so they're tax-free, right? Yeah, it's, right. Um, <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. They, they are taxed. They are taxed. <laughs> on, on a lower rate. <laughs> uh, if the government's open. <laughs> so anyway... Hey John, I think you should. I think you should call the show more often, John. We're having fun I, I, here. I've called. I've called. I've called a couple of times here or there. All um, right. <laughs> I, 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 we have you on, and I and I lose this use this term loosely. We have this on. We have you on religiously every Saturday morning, right after oh. Bob Parkins. <laughs> oh, super! Thank you. <laughs> Make our day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Why, no, but I. You have. You have. Uh, this is a wonderful show to have on, and uh, <clears throat> we've met you a couple of times um, over the past year years and as you say my son my grandson actually plays on soccer team with one of uh, Kirk's daughters so uh, you know we see you in and around and you provide a very very nice service to uh, the the community this is a very good show and you're round you know you're uh, very um, what's a good word my wife uses uh, uh, yeah, integrity. Integrity is the word she uses. She just reminded me, you're a man of integrity. So we appreciate the McNamara's and and what you guys what you guys do. So well, well John, number one, th- make our day, and number two, thank you for the call. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Take care. You guys have a nice weekend. Go Patriots. All right. Thank All you. right. Go Patriots. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Uh, hey, hey, Josh. How much fun was that? That was good. That was a nice call. We didn't right, pay John we, at all. That was I. We promise we knew we don't we don't plant any callers. Okay, that was my cousin John. No, just yeah. kidding, folks. Uh, but by the way, Josh, why don't you do the summary? We got about a minute before we have to go. Go ahead. Yeah, just to, I guess yeah, just to wrap up, um, equity index annuities again. They are as long as you understand them, potentially okay, potentially appropriate. You know, we think generally speaking that they are oversold. That you know the the upside is overpromised. Uh, but you know what you get is you know you you get a limited downside, but you also get a limited upside, and you know there there may certainly be circumstances under which they end up being a good investment, um, but more than likely they just end up being a good conservative investment that's sort of along the lines of other guaranteed investments, right? I mean the, you know the same rules apply if you take a look at every investment that is you know, sort of fixed and guaranteed, they tend to be clustered around that, you know, a similar return area, right? You know, if you go to the bank and do a CD, maybe you get 3% and because, you know, because like the the rules of the rules of the capital markets rules apply everywhere. That's probably something like what you're going to get by doing a guaranteed investment product with, you know, with an insurance company. It's just the way it is. That's life. Hey, Justin, we got to do this again sometime, okay? All righty. Folks, my name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. Thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, and go Patriots.